0: Lord Jesus, today we choose to bless your name. We honor you in this house this day. Lord, we are here in your presence today. And acknowledge that first and foremost, you, this is your father's. You are the Father today, to whom we give first and foremost praise. Lord, we bless your servant, our brother, Pastor Sam, as he is here to bring your word to us today. We will receive and welcome him in this house with joy. And pray now, Lord, that you would uh, speak your word through him to our hearts and prepare us to receive all that you have to say to us today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of you who are guests or newer to Bethel, we are a family of churches, seven congregations that are a part of our Bethel family. One of those congregations is Bethel Christian Fellowship in Minneapolis. And our lead pastor there and our great friend is Pastor Sam Snyder, who's here to bring the word today. Could you join me, please, in welcoming Pastor Sam?
1: Well, uh... Today is Father's Day, so Happy Father's Day, fathers. um, Father's Day is an important day because fathers have such a shaping effect on our lives, by their presence or by their absence. And there are so many things that I've learned over the last couple years of of becoming uh, a father, uh, first of one, and then two, and then five. It kind of went quickly, and god's been just showing me things about his heart in the midst of all of that, and in learning to be a father myself and watching other other parents uh, do their parenting and learning about it, reading about it, and then parenting and being a father, and in the midst of that, I found out that, boy, do we mess up a lot you know you' you're you're doing your best at being a father and uh, and, you, and you, you you, screw something up, you, you do something wrong, you say something wrong, you don't have the love of God in a moment. I'm being honest, but I mean, fathers here, do you resonate with that? Children here, do you resonate with that? Does that make you like you've, you've experienced fathers that were far, were far from perfect? We all have. And uh, it's shaped us. It's made us who we are. The good things in our fathers and the bad things in our fathers have affected us, have affected all of us. And uh, I remember with, with my kids, oftentimes I find myself asking them the question that goes back to the great commandment. I'll ask them, how would you like it if so-and-so treated you that way whenever they did something wrong? It's very effective in terms of, of causing you to think about it. And I, but, but I found myself after um, a moment of either frustration or of discipline or of, um, of asking that question to my kids in love, right, because I'm trying to teach them something, how would you feel if so-and-so treated you that way? But inside, I'm frustrated. And I walk away going with, with almost God asking me the question, how would you feel if I treated you that way? Because you could still say the right words, but your heart is frustrated. And it always takes me back to Psalm 103 that says that God is patient and slow to anger. That's the heart of the Father. So today I want us to talk about the heart of the Father, our Heavenly Father. Because we've all had experiences with earthly fathers, whether they were uh, good experiences or bad experiences because they were present or because they were absent. But something in a relationship or lack of relationship with a father has affected us. And I believe that there are parts of who God is as father that we miss out on because of our earthly fathers. And there are parts of God's heart as father that we see because of our earthly fathers or other fathers around us. And the other day I I, I read a story about two volunteers that were working in the prison ministry, and it was their first year doing it, and Mother's Day came along, and they decided, like, hey, this would be a good way to connect with some of these inmates. Let's have them write letters for their moms. Let's bring um, cards for Mother's Day. So they brought the cards, and the inmates just went for it. They grabbed cards. They filled cards out. They got so into it that they ran out of cards. They had no more cards. So they thought, hey, this is a great idea. Let's do this again on Father's Day. So they stocked up with more cards than they had before. And they went to the same people and they said, all right, you know, this is what we did last month. Now we're going to do this for Father's Day. We're going to write cards to your fathers. Who wants to start? And nobody moved. And the truth is that in this society, we live in a fatherless time where there maybe are a lot, lot of absent fathers, or there are people growing up without fathers, or there are fathers that are present physically, but not any other way. And there are fathers that haven't reflected the heart of our Heavenly Father to their children, and even all of us who are fathers here today, we can look at our lives and we can think about the times when we haven't reflected the Father's heart to our children. Uh, But many times there have been fathers in our lives who have, instead of reflecting the heart of the Father, our Heavenly Father, instead they've reflected the heart of the Father of lies, and by their action or inaction have put lies inside of us about the character of the Heavenly Father, and have made the, the character of the Heavenly Father hard for us to grasp. So when we think about God, we might like using words Jesus, Spirit, God. But to talk about Heavenly Father is hard. Because when we think about Father, maybe the the image that comes to mind is stern and demanding. Or passive and uninvolved and uninterested. Yeah, 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 whatever. Or what's wrong with you? Why did you mess that up again? Can't you get anything right? Maybe we think of um, somebody who's waiting for us to mess up sitting on the throne with a lightning rod in his hand. And when we think of Heavenly Father, that's what we think of, and Jesus managed to jump in the way and take that lightning bolt for us because God the Father was so angry with us. But Jesus got in the way, and Jesus took it, and man, he's a nice big brother. And we don't think of the Father who is slow to anger and abounding in love the father who the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his son. So God the father so loved that he sent his son. And if you've had kids, to think of what it would mean to send your one of your kids to die in the place of another. I mean, that the significance of that, there's a lot of love and a lot of passion involved in that. And that's the the father that the Bible talks about as Heavenly Father, but a lot of times we don't see Him that way because of our experience, because of the world that we live in, because there's brokenness, because as hard as our Father tried, they still weren't the Heavenly Father. And today I want to talk about the heart of the Father, the Heavenly Father. And this is important for you for all of us here today because He's He wants to be our Father for all of us. He's not not a Father's Day message in that sense, where we can all sit back and relax and let the fathers listen. Pay attention, fathers, let's get this thing right, this is your one sermon for the year. That's not that, this is the heart of the Heavenly Father, this is for all of us, and we've all, uh, I hope that as we listen, as, we, as, as you hear today, there are things in here that that resonate with your heart, no matter if you had a father who was very present, and because of your father, you're able to know the love of your heavenly father, or if you had a father who was absent, and because of that, it makes it hard for you to understand the love of the father. The two ends of the spectrum are somewhere in between. My hope is that as we just talk about the love of the father, I don't really anticipate telling you something you don't know today. Some of you just got disappointed. You're like, man, I was hoping to find something. I believe that this is stuff you've heard before, it's, a, it's, it's, it's who God is as Father, but my hope and prayer today is that something penetrates into your heart about his heart, and that sticks with you and becomes part of your heart. And one of the scriptures that comes to mind for me whenever I think of the love of the Father is Psalm 103. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn there with me. Oh, there's the cards. There it is. Psalm 103. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there's some in front of you. You can grab any one of those. And Psalm 103 for me paints uh, the picture of a God who is intimately involved in our lives of a of a God who is active not passive, a God who is seeking to give and pour himself out for his children, a God who brings forgiveness, a God who brings restoration, a God who brings life, a God who's full of grace and mercy and compassion. And it goes like this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve will repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him that's one of the scriptures that kept bringing me back as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on his children so that for me that reminder'll we'll keep we'll keep come, we'll come back to Psalm 103 but the reminder that as in, in being a father, it, it opens up my eyes more to how much God loves and cares about me. And in looking at God and how much he loves and he cares and what he does and looking at him as the model, it in turn comes back to me and goes, wow, God, that's the type of father I want to be. I want to have your heart. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field, the wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. That's a lot of love and compassion and grace, and not the guy with the big long beard sitting on a throne with a lightning bolt ready to strike you down, not the God who sits, who creates everything, and then walks away and says it'll take care of itself. Now that I've set it up, I've created it; it can handle it on its own. But a God who's intimately involved and feels with us, so. Couple things about the heart of the Father. There's so much. I mean, you could look at a bunch of scriptures and find different aspects of the heart of the Father. So I'm, I don't intend to be to give you the exhaustive study of the Father's heart today, because one, it would be really, really long, and we would be all over Scripture, and we'd still miss it. But a couple things that I see in this scripture, and then I want to take us to another story that illustrates it, are these things. First off. The heart of the Father is a giving heart. He gives generously. I just told you a couple minutes ago that scripture that so many know, God so loved the world that he gave. He gives and he gives generously. Verse 2 in Psalm 103 tells us that not to forget any of all of his benefits. All of his benefits. He gives so much to us. And he gives so generously. Tells us here that he forgives. Verse 3 says he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He forgives completely. It's not a partial forgiveness, and maybe in your experience of what a father does is a partial forgiveness or a conditional forgiveness. If you feel bad about it long enough, And it's amazing how those little lies can get into our lives, into how we operate. Like, I've seen it with my kids, which makes me go, man, what am I doing that creates that inside of them, that they think that they have to earn forgiveness? The words I'm saying are such that you would think they wouldn't get that impression. What am I doing? because I want them to walk away knowing the heart of the Father. Tender-hearted, as far as the east is from the west, that's the kind of forgiveness the Father gives us. So as a father, I want to give them a glimpse of what that could be like. so that they don't have to go someday, man, I wish I knew what that was like. And you may be here today, and you may be going, I I wish I knew what that was like. To have someone who forgives completely and doesn't hold it over your head and doesn't say later, you always do this. You never do that. But that's the Father that we have. He forgives completely. Removes it from us. Man, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. We read a book in our house. We try to be pretty intentional with the books that are around the house. But there's one book that's called I Love You So. And in it, it says, I love you so, how much is so, way, way more than you know. Really simple. Um, But our kids got into the thing of, (laughs) I'm sorry, of doing this, right? We do way, way more than you know. It was a really easy connection to show them about the love of God in that, the cross in that. So we've talked about the love of God. We've talked about the cross. It's way, way more than you know. But then <laughs> one of my kids got into that. Well, if this is way, way more than you know. What if I stretch it back farther? <laughs> so they're like, I love you so. How much is so? Way, way more than you know. And they're like touching their fingers in the back. And I'm going, what are you doing? And they're like, way, way more than you know. He's a God, He's a Father who restores, and He restores graciously. Verse 4 says, He redeems your life from the pit, from the deepest places. He redeems you, takes you out of the miry clay, out of the pit, out of the junk that you get stuck in, out of the dirt. He takes you out of that, and not only, He doesn't just take you out and go like, all right, now I saved you, I fixed the problem, I'm going to go away. But he takes you out of that place and crowns you with love and compassion. Now, the picture of going from a muddy pit to getting crowned with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. He doesn't just stop there. But satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. And even the, the, the picture of the youth of the eagle being renewed, there's a restoration and a renewing picture there. In going through their molting that they go through and they're getting that, that, um, their new feathers, there's a restoration that happens there. And it's a whole process, and we're not, I'm not preaching on that, and I'm, my hope is just to focus in on the love of the Father. But that's a restoring thing. And he takes the things that are in our lives That are broken, that aren't working anymore, and He restores them. He takes us out of the broken places and He brings wholeness and healing. It said earlier that He heals all your diseases, and that's not just our physical diseases, our physical brokenness. He heals us spiritually, He heals emotionally, and He is steadfast in all of this. He doesn't just do this for a little while or as long as He's feeling good or if He had a good day at work today. He's steadfast in this. He doesn't change his mind. And why does he do this? He does this because he's a God of grace. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Verse 17 says, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. There is nothing that your children's children would do to deserve the love of God. the the, the righteousness of God, the blessing of God. And there's nothing that we can do. But that God is so gracious and so giving that it's not just for us, but it's for our children and our children's children. Like, that's pretty amazing. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. Verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He sees something that's messed up, and he doesn't just leave it that way. He does something about it. I know when my kids do something wrong to each other, sometimes I think we struggle with, with the concept of justice. Especially when it comes to seeing God as Father, and we think, well, he, he, we, we vacillate between He's like this, this guy with the lightning bolt in his hand that's just going to bring justice, or on the other side, He just lets everything fly and He just, it doesn't matter. He loves us so much. He's just so loving. It doesn't matter. But I talk to my kids when one of them hurts the other. It's a really good example of that. One kid hurts the other kid. I come to I come to them. I do that little. How would you like it if they treated you like that? And but then we talk about what consequences would be appropriate for their for their sin, if we want to use that word. And we talk through it. And I say, well, how would you feel if if they had done this to you? What do you think would be fair in that situation? And you, there's a something inside of them that wants justice. They're like, well, no, they should get a consequence. So they know, yeah, I should, I should get a consequence. We know that. So God, when there is somebody who is hurting somebody else, God steps in in justice because of his mercy, because of his compassion, not because of his anger. Like this, he is able to be, be properly motivated to act in ways that us as humans, we can't. Sometimes our, our mercy and our compassion is mixed in with a little bit of anger in our justice. You know, they deserve it. Mm, boy, do they deserve it! Mm. They're gonna get it now. Just wait till we get home, right? How many of you had an experience like that in your childhood? Man, I could tell stories. I just remember one specifically of the many stories I could tell you about receiving the justice that you deserved when you were on the, on the end of the lawbreaker. But I remember at some point, I was doing something wrong at church during the church service, which was not unusual for me, really. And I remember going outside and they told me to pick my stick amongst the, the reeds that were out there. Well, let's just say it's a wiser thing. Kids, Listen. It's wiser to pick a thicker stick than a smaller stick. The smaller the branch is, the more it stings, just so you know. But I remember going, like, this one's not going to hurt. Turns out, skinnier they are, the harder they hurt. Uh, lesson learned. But sometimes our, our justice as, as, as people, when some, somebody wrongs us, and we can feel that God needs to bring justice, but the way we're thinking isn't with compassion or mercy. It's God strike them down. I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but I had a moment uh, when I was snowboarding one time. I was teaching this kid how to snowboard. And I was out with the youth group, and we're snowboarding. And this kid keeps falling down, so I keep stopping. And we're just, you know, tumbling down the mountain, basically. And this little six-year-old, might have been seven-year-old, punk kid on skis is just, like, flying by. And he's just one of those, yeah, 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 kind of kids, right? He comes up to the kid as he's laying down and, like, sprays him just because this kid keeps falling down, and he sees him falling down, and he sprays him, and I come up behind him, and I'm standing there as the kid is skiing, because, I mean, if you know how to ski, you hardly ever have a reason to fall down when it's going straight, right, and I'm going, like, God, judge him. That was my, I said it out loud. It was probably wrong. Kid wipes out, like, right after I say it. And the kid that's on the ground with me, we're both looking at each other like, did that just happen? (laughs) But sometimes when people wrong us and we see injustice in the world, our idea of justice is that kind of thing. God, bring your justice to that situation. Strike them down. Right? Okay, is it just me? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. But do we ever stop and go like with the kids and switch sides? and go, man, what if I was that person that was doing what was wrong? What would, what would I want God's justice to look like in my situation? Man, I would want him to be compassionate. I would want him to be merciful. I would want him to tenderly come and take me by the hand and show me what I'm doing wrong. And it's, it's, it's a great thing, it's a powerful thing that it says here that he doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. Verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thank God. But that heart of the Father isn't just for me. It's not just for us here in this room. It's for everybody we come in contact with. It doesn't say as long as you're a Christian, he won't treat you as, you know. It doesn't say that. Compassion. His justice is found in his compassion and in his mercy. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He can come alongside and feel with us. That's what compassion would mean, is to feel with someone. He can come alongside us because he knows that we are dust. He realizes who we really are. It's almost like if you're an adult and you look at a child who's messing up in some way or another... You can have a moment of compassion and realizing they're just a kid. Some of us need to have that moment more often. Or we can look at somebody that's that's doing things that are broken and hurting other people, and we can almost want that lightning bolt to come down, but we can stop and have a moment of compassion and try to realize that they are dust. Try to realize that they are broken. Try to realize that maybe they're doing this because they're hurt. Maybe they're treating me this way because of some situation in their life that I don't know about. Maybe they had a really bad day and that's why they said that and they didn't mean it. That's thinking with compassion. Trying to, to switch sides and be in their shoes for a minute and go, and go, well, you know, I guess maybe maybe what I said could have made somebody mad. Because we always have really good intentions, right? Like, our motives are always pure, but everybody else's motives seem a little tainted, don't they? But to take a moment, have a heart of compassion, and switch places and go, how, how would I react if that was me? And switch, switch places. Well, God did that in Jesus. He came and he took our place literally on the cross, dying for us, but he also came and lived as a human. And he can say, I know what it's like. Because that's the kind of God he is, and he's steadfast in that. He's steadfast in his love and mercy and his grace. So the story I want to close with is a story you've heard before, and once again, I'm not going to teach all the details of the story because you probably know them already, and you can teach them to me. But it's in Luke chapter 15. I was looking through the Bible for a story of a loving father, I spent a really long time looking for a story of a loving father, and guess what? I couldn't find one. Because most of the stories about fathers in the Old Testament involved a father that did this right, but totally screwed up on this part. And they did this thing right, but they totally screwed up on this thing. I couldn't find a story in the Old Testament, and some of the Bible scholars here might be able to, to find a better one for me, I couldn't find one that illustrated the heart of the Father. Even in these three areas that that, that I'm saying, these are three things that I see of the heart of the Father. I couldn't find one. But I did find fathers that did a good job of being fathers, and I did find a lot more that didn't. You know what that gives me? That gives me hope. gives me lots of hope. I mean, Samuel was raised without a father, and the father figure that he was raised under was a bad one, whose own biological sons totally missed it. And yet Samuel had an encounter with God, and he was able to, he was able to follow God. Didn't really pass that on to the next generation, but you know, at, least, at least his life was right because he had an encounter with God. And I think of the fact that now we can come here as mothers, as fathers, as brothers and sisters, as children, and we can come here and know that God no longer wants to just be upon us, but he wants to be in us. Man, the chances of us being doing a better job of having the heart of our Heavenly Father is huge, because the Holy Spirit is in us. So we can look at some of the examples of the Old Testament and go, man, thank you, God, that you can give me wisdom to not repeat what what they did. Thank you God that you can give me power to not live that way. Thank you God that you can give me grace to demonstrate your love to my kids, to my brothers, to my sisters, to my parents, to my neighbors, to my coworkers. Thank you. He he can actually put his love inside of me in a way that wasn't happening that much in the Bible. So that's kind of encouraging. Usually we look at the Bible stories and we go, "Man, I got to be more like David." If I ever see a giant, I'm going to make sure that I pick up some stones and I run right at that giant and I like, take him out. And we look at the Bible stories and it kind of discourages us sometimes or it motivates us to like either we're really going to go for it or, man, I could never do that. cool thing is most of the Bible stories related to the heart of the Father, good thing for us, we can look at those and go, man, we can have the heart of the Father in a better way than they did. I don't know if that's encouraging to you, but it's encouraging to me. Sometimes we can look at our lives and we can go, man, as, as a son, as a father, as a brother, as a sister, as a mother, I keep dropping the ball in this area. I keep screwing up. I'm never going to whatever, whatever it is that you're aiming for. But we can go, and man, I can get a glimpse of the heart of the Father, and I can have that heart inside of me, and I know I'll never be perfect in that, but people can walk away from knowing me, and they can walk away knowing, man, this person's generous, This person's filled with grace. This person's merciful. This person's forgiving. This person's compassionate. This person restores other people. They can walk away with a glimpse of the heart of the Father because they interacted with you. In a way, I believe, that wasn't really possible in the Old Testament times. But with the Holy Spirit, things just explode. Suddenly, you've got guys like Paul being a father to Timothy, who wasn't his son, and who already was grown, and he's being a father to him. You've got people caring for each other where, where, where families are taking in children and they're being families for them, and, and um, Priscilla and Aquila are taking in Apollos and they're being his spiritual parents in that sense, and they're training him. Stuff is happening that didn't really happen before because the heart of the Father can be in us through the Holy Spirit. So the only really good example I could find of the heart of the Father was the story that Jesus told in Luke 15 where he where he talks about our heavenly father using this story in Luke 15:11 through 32. He says this. So if you have your Bibles you can follow along with me. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, "Father, give me my share of the estate." So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And culturally, Jesus is saying he was at the lowest point possible, in the, the worst place possible. He's in the miry pit. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your servant. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, even in this place, the son somehow had missed the heart of the father. Unless that was a ploy, he's going to say that to just like, Get the father to go, like, oh, no, son, you can be part of the family. again. good, because I just didn't want to be a servant. But I figured I'd throw that out there just in case. But no, I think he's really going back and saying, man, if only I could be a servant in my father's house. And to think that that's the type of thought that he had of his father's heart. Man, if only I could be a servant. Sometimes we can come to God that way. Be like, man, I don't know if I I could be a son or a daughter of God, but, man, at least I could be a servant in his house. We'll keep going. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Which is true, really. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. So his father went out and pleaded with him. So you see the father's heart again, right in that. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with the prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Another telling scripture about the father's heart. My son... The father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, to take those two scriptures and bring them together with the character of God, the father gives generously. In this story, he gave twice. He gave half of everything he had, and then the son comes back after wasting that, and he gives him more. He brings him back into the family. He'd given to the son. He's, he'd given to the son. He says, Every, the other son, the older son, everything I have is yours. I've already given it to you. He's a giving God. He gives graciously. He gives generously. And he forgives mercifully. But while he was still a long way off, it says, he was filled with compassion, and he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. You've got to think he was pretty smelly, dirty. It wasn't the, the, the right thing for a father to do. A father wouldn't lower himself to that, to run out to his son, his wayward son. The father culturally would wait for his son to come back and beg his forgiveness if he was going to give him forgiveness. The expectation might have been that if he did get forgiveness, forgiveness meant you get to be a slave in the house. You get to be part of the family on one level, but you don't get to be what you used to be. You don't get to have the ring on your finger that says you're part of the family. You don't get to be dressed like us. And yet, he forgives him mercifully. He forgives him completely. You could even add that the the heart of the Father loves passionately. And he restores compassionately when he brings the best robe and puts it on him, ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, has a party to welcome him back. He's telling the whole neighborhood, he's telling the whole city, my son is back, and this is something to celebrate about. My son is my son. He's not disowned. He's my son. And you all saw me run out to him maybe like a little child or something, but run out to him in a way that was undignified and embrace him publicly so that everyone could see him, give him a kiss, which culturally might not, you know. We were talking about that yesterday. There's cultures where public displays of affection aren't the same. He runs out to him publicly, humbles himself to restore him compassionately. So today... No matter who you are or what your life has been like, God loves you. God has grace for you. God has mercy for you. And God can bring justice to your situation because of His great love, because of His compassion. He feels with you and He's moved with compassion by the things that you've gone through in your life. He wants to give to you generously, He wants to forgive you completely. He wants to restore you graciously. And today I want to encourage you to know God's grace, mercy, and compassion if you don't know it. These two sons had been raised with the father, they'd been around the father, and somehow they missed it. Which as a father is also an encouragement to know that we can do all that we can do to show show kids the love of God and show other people the love of God around us. Your neighbors, your coworkers, we can do all that we can do and still they might miss it. That doesn't mean, well, I'm not going to try. But they might still miss it. And they might come back like this son and come to his senses and come back and say, man, everything, it all makes sense to me now. And it might be a coworker that you've been with for 10 years that's been missing it, that might come back and maybe made fun of you for a while, might come back and be, everything I've seen in you. It all makes sense now. I want to know this God of grace. I want to know this God of compassion. So the heart of the Father isn't something that's for fathers only today. The heart of the Father is something that's for you. So if you're a a child here today, if you're one of the big house kids, you can have the heart of the Father, the heart of the Heavenly Father. If you're a teenager, a college student, a mom... You can have the heart of the Father, which is a little weird to think about. But hey, we've got to wrap our minds around being the bride of Christ collectively. So, you know, you guys, ladies, you can wrap your mind around having the heart of the Father in you. And we can show the heart of the Father. And that's my challenge for you today. No matter who you are or where you're at, I want to challenge you to show the heart of the Father with your life. Demonstrate a life that gives generously that forgives mercifully and restores people compassionately. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our heavenly Father and that you love us as high as the heavens are above the earth. And your compassion towards us and your mercy towards us are so great and you're so generous that you don't just want it to end with us. You don't just want to show us your mercy, your compassion, and your grace. You want to multiply that out to spiritual sons and daughters. You want to multiply that out to generations. It's not just for us. You're such a generous God. You've given us so much. Lord, we want to respond to your love. And if you're here this morning and you haven't known the love of God in one of these ways and you believe the lie that that your Father God is passive or that your Father God is angry, stern and demanding, uninvolved, uncaring, I want to encourage you this morning to reject that lie and choose to believe the truth that your Father God is full of compassion, abounding in love and good to all. That he's intimately involved in your life. And that he's patient with you. And if you're here uh, as a father this morning and you feel that you've, you've failed at showing the, the heart of the father to your children... Or to your grandchildren. And you're going, man, I've failed. I want to remind you that he's a God of restoration. And he can start now and he can restore the years that the locusts have stolen. He can start now and leave the heart of the father impressed on your children, on your children's children, and on their children. This morning, in whatever way it is that you need to receive the love of the Father, I want to encourage you to do that. Ask Him to reveal Himself in that way. As we sing this song of talks of the love of God, just let you respond as you listen to it, as you sing, and then we'll have a benediction to close.
0: If you just open your hands this morning. Jesus, we began this morning, before the service began in prayer, asking that you would bring a revelation, not just information, to us today. And we thank you that you have opened up the veil and given us a revelation of your heart today. And as a house, as sons and daughters today, we receive the truth about your heart today. We welcome that truth and we embrace it today. And I pray that the seed that has been sown will fall into good soil and that, Lord, it will raise up a harvest of transformation in the souls and lives of your people. And now with hands open, I pray that you would be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, With the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, I pray that as you go, sent to make disciples of all nations, that the banner of his favor and goodness will be over your lives. And until we meet again either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. And I pray that his love and mercy will chase you down every day of your lives. To him be all the praise and glory and honor now and forevermore. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Go in his grace. Have a wonderful day.